Welcome to the Salt Church Podcast. We're a church that meets in the heart of Wollongong. Come and visit us on Sundays, 10am and 5pm at 275 Kira Street. We'd love to meet you. It's really great that you're here with us this Easter. Uh, How about I pray as we dig into God's Word and think about what does this day mean? What is it that we're remembering and celebrating? Let's pray. Father God, thank you so much that we can be here. Thank you for the sun. Thank you for chocolate. Thank you for all your good gifts to us. And especially thank you that you are a God who speaks. We pray as we look at your word, as we hear your words to us now, help us to understand them. Uh, help us to respond to them the way you want us to. And help us to leave this room different people to who we were when we came in. Amen. Well, let's talk about English for a second. Two very misused words in English are literally and unique. Uh, We use literally to mean figuratively, like this from the Big Bang Theory. You probably can't read that. I haven't been to a comic book store in literally a million years. Literally, literally a million years. Uh, We also use it the other way. Sometimes you get something that's figurative and you take it literally, like kids in those maths exams. I'm sure you've seen these. Here's an example. Bobby has four dimes. Amy has 30 pennies. Which child has more money? Bobby. How do you know? Show your thinking. Bobby. (laughs) I don't know which teacher came up with that question, but you can't fault that kid. I mean, he did show his thinking. Uh, Literally is one of the... It's awesome, isn't it? I love that. I was laughing for 30 seconds when I read that. Uh literally is very misused. The other misused word is unique. A unique means one of a kind, unlike anything else. I've read reviews of new bands that say that their totally unique sound is just like the Beatles and Adele, and so it's not a unique sound. Is that what you're really telling us? And also, how can it be totally unique? Either it's one of a kind, unlike anything else, or it's not one of a kind, unlike anything else. These are misused words in English. And the reason I tell you this is that Jesus is unique. Jesus is literally unique. Jesus is unique because he brings us real hope. And we so need good news and hope at the moment. Our world is full of a global pandemic and wars and fire and floods and relationships that break down and our bodies that fail and death. And Jesus brings hope in the midst of all of that. And we're going to see it from nine sentences in the Bible. Uh, I've never spoken on the, about this passage at Easter, so let's see what we discover. Uh, we're doing what we're doing, though. If, if you're visiting, you wouldn't normally find yourself at church on a Sunday. If you wouldn't call yourself a Christian and you're exploring Jesus, what we're doing is something really helpful. We're going to the eyewitness sources right now, the, the very words of Jesus. And there's no better place to work out what Jesus is, who he is. Uh, there's no better place to, to sort out what's myth and what's legend and what's popular misconceptions about Jesus and what's the truth about Jesus. Can he give us hope? Let's have a look and see. Uh, if you've got a Bible, grab it open. If not, there'll be some stuff coming up on the screen. I'm going to show you four unique things about Jesus. The first unique thing about Jesus is a unique claim. So here's what happens in our story. After six days, Jesus took with him Peter, James, and John, the brother of James, and led them up a high mountain by themselves. There he was transfigured before them. 
His face shone like the sun, and his clothes became as white as the light. Just then there appeared before them Moses and Elijah talking with Jesus. Peter said to Jesus, Lord, it is good for us to be here. If you wish, I'll put up three shelters, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. Now, this is a pretty bizarre moment in history. Uh, Jesus takes three disciples, three eyewitnesses up a mountain, and he's transformed before them. He's, he's kind of glowing and not like, wow, new face moisturizer, you're glowing, Jesus, like literally glowing. Like he, he's bright, his face is shining like the sun. His clothes are whiter than any wedding dress, whiter than any chemical on earth could bleach them. And then Moses and Elijah appear next to him, two men who lived thousands of years before Jesus, and they're just having a chat. I mean, what in the world is going on here? This kind of amazing moment here. Well, I think the clue to kind of understand what's going on here is that this isn't the first time this has happened in the Bible. Uh, Back, way back, thousands of years before this moment, a guy named Moses met with God on a mountain, Mount Sinai, and he got the Ten Commandments. Might have heard of the Ten Commandments. Moses got them on a mountain. And when God spoke to him, he was covered in cloud and his face became shining and blinding white. And he stayed in a shelter in a tent while he was up there. And then Elijah, Elijah climbed that same mountain, Mount Sinai, and God spoke with him. So here we are again, up a mountain with Moses and Elijah. We're talking about tents. The next thing we would expect to see is a cloud and to hear God speak. And that's what happens. While Peter was still speaking, a bright cloud covered them. And a voice from the cloud said, this is my son whom I love. With him, I am well pleased. God speaks here. God speaks and he makes a unique claim about Jesus. He says that Jesus is my son that I love, whom I'm pleased with. He says that Jesus is the son of God. Who do you think Jesus is? There's so many different opinions out there in the world about who Jesus is. I'm sure you've got your own opinion about Jesus. Uh, Maybe you think that he was a teacher or some people that he was a prophet or a guy that was on about love and the church has kind of corrupted the original Jesus and it's been lost to myth. God's got an opinion about Jesus as well. He tells us exactly who Jesus is. He's God's son. He's the second person of the Trinity. He's the eternal son of God who has always been there, who will always be there. He's not saying that Jesus is God-like somehow. He is God. And it's not that Jesus is treated like the son that God never had. He is the son of God. God shouts this from the sky, this unique claim that he loves and he's pleased with his son, Jesus. There's no one else on the planet that God has ever said that to. Can you imagine God saying that to us? The God who knows you better than you know yourself. The God who knows all your flaws, all your failures, all the dark secrets that you've never told anyone because you'd be horrified if they ever came out. Would that God ever shout to you that he loves and he's well pleased with you? This is a unique claim about Jesus. It's a surprising claim about Jesus too, because Jesus doesn't look like this person. I think this is why there's so many opinions about Jesus. He does teach, and he is on about love. And the church has 
Ah, uh, it's just on the ground. I saw that key. It's just on the ground near the bag. It's just on the ground near the bag there. Let's keep rolling. Uh, the church has misrepresented Jesus at times. And I think if it wasn't for a moment like this, we would miss this unique claim about Jesus. Uh, it reminds me a little bit of the professionals who go undercover. Um, Cristiano Ronaldo, one of the greatest soccer players of all time. Uh, he, there was a moment where he dressed like a homeless person and he went and tried to get people to play soccer with him at a town square in Madrid. He dressed up, got in this outfit, and basically everybody ignored him. People kind of found him a nuisance. They walked straight past him, except for one kid. One came, came over, had a kick of the ball with him. Uh, I don't know if he felt sorry for him or not, but he had a kick around. And Cristiano Ronaldo stopped kicking the ball, picked it up, signed it, gave it to the kid, took his beard off, and thousands of people flocked over to get an autograph to take a photo. Uh, or Joshua Bell. This guy's Joshua Bell. He's recorded 26 albums. He makes $1,000 a minute when he performs. He fills some of the biggest stadiums in the world. And in 2007, he went busking at a subway in America. He played some of the most difficult pieces ever written on a violin worth $3.5 million. He played for 45 minutes in rush hour and seven people stopped. He made 70 bucks, and 20 of that came from the only person who recognized who he was. These are moments when the world's great are in front of you, but most people miss it. This moment with Jesus is the opposite of that. There's many people who miss who Jesus is. They walk straight past him, but God makes sure that we don't. God does not want us to miss who Jesus is. So God shouts it from the sky. God gives him a face that shines brighter than the sun so that we don't miss this unique claim, so so that we can see who Jesus really is. He's not a mere human with human solutions to our problems that are usually worse and make things worse. He's not a mere human who acts in his own interests. He's not a mere human with limited power to actually change anything. Jesus is God with the power of God to do something about the world's mess, about our mess. You see how Jesus is unique? Uh, He's unique among all the religions of the world too. Other religions give you a message from God, how God wants you to live. Jesus is God. And after God tells us who Jesus is, he tells us what to do with Jesus. He gives us a unique command. He says this, When he was still speaking, a bright cloud covered them, and a voice from the cloud said, This is my son whom I love. With him I am well pleased. Listen to him. Listen to him is the command. And what does listen mean? Listen means learn from. It means trust. It means follow, obey. Uh, we have many people that we listen to, don't we? We've got many people that we learn from and trust and follow and obey. I think about this. You've got to make a decision. You've got to make decisions all the time. Should I eat more chocolate? Probably yes. Uh, you've got to make decisions. How do you make a decision? Who do you listen to when you make a decision? We listen to a whole bunch of different people, don't we? We go a few different places. We listen to our friends, our friends who know us, and we ask, what would you recommend for this decision I've got to make? We ask our feelings, what feels right, what feels good, like the the good thing to do in this situation. We ask our experience, 
what worked in the past, I'll do that again. We ask our parents' advice so that we can do the exact opposite of what our parents tell us to do. We ask the world and we Google it. Uh, Or maybe we ask religious or spiritual books like the Bible or the Quran or self-help books. Uh, Maybe we ask spiritual teachers uh, like gurus and, and social media influencers and your local barista. There's all these different places that we go to when we need to make a decision, all these people that we listen to. And we listen to these voices because they all seem good and valid. We, we learn from them. We trust them and follow them and obey them. And we, you will get advice and wisdom from all those voices. Not sure about your local barista, but everybody else, you'll get lots of advice and wisdom. And in the midst of all of that comes a unique command. God singles out Jesus as the one to listen to. And we've got to see the significance of this. God could have pointed out anyone. God could have given us four people to listen to. You know, the Pope, Buddha, ScoMo, and Jesus. He could have done that. He could have given us eight paths to him, eight different ways you could get to God. He could have given us six ways to live, but he doesn't. He just gives us Jesus. He says, listen to Jesus, learn from, trust, follow, obey Jesus which makes so much sense because of who Jesus is, that unique claim that he's the son of God. If that's who he is, of course we also get a unique command to listen to Jesus. Uh, Imagine you are sick in hospital with some unknown illness. You've had dozens of tests. You're there in bed feeling awful, waiting for the results. You're in bed and a guy comes up to you and he says, Good news, it's okay for you to go home. All you need to do is get more exercise. You need to sleep a little bit better. You need to eat well. Now, that's good advice, isn't it? And the guy works in a hospital. So what would you do? Well, just before you act on it, you realize, you notice that this guy is actually wearing a cleaner's outfit and he's got a mop in his hand. Would you act on that advice? No, of course you wouldn't. You would wait for the specialist with the results from all your tests. Because the specialist is unique in that situation. The specialist is who you listen to for your health. God says, listen to Jesus for your life. Learn from and trust and follow and obey Jesus more than anybody else. Which leads to the next unique thing, a unique crime. Think about crime for a second. What is the right penalty for the crime of ignoring the speeding laws. What's the right penalty for the crime of ignoring speeding laws? Uh, Probably a fine, uh, maybe losing license if it's particularly reckless driving. Uh, What's the right penalty for the crime of ignoring the laws about murder and killing someone? Probably a life sentence, life for life. What's the right penalty for the crime of ignoring Jesus? the Son of God that God has singled out above all others and told us to listen to. These other crimes, they are super serious crimes. These crimes destroy lives. They they ignore the police and the judges and the laws. But with Jesus, we're ignoring the Son of God. How do you rank that? feels like that crime should be worse than the others. Because Jesus is not simply a human voice that we could choose to listen to. 
if, we, if it's convenient, if we like what he's on about. Jesus is the God who made us. He's the God who owns us. He's got the right to be obeyed and listened to. It's a unique crime, actually, to ignore Jesus. It's actually the crime that sits underneath all of the other crimes. If you remember right back at the start of the Bible, if you're familiar with the Bible, we've got the story of Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden. Uh, And in this story, what's the one thing that God told them to do and not to do? It's to listen to him and not to ignore him. That's the one thing he told them to do. He didn't give them a list of every single possible wrong and evil thing they could do so they could avoid it. He just tells them, listen to me, obey my word. They don't, though. They reject God. And that's what leads to all the other evil and all the other wrong that's in our world and in our lives at the moment. Humans have been doing this ever since. And surely we can all admit that we have ignored Jesus. Uh, Not completely. You're at church on Easter Sunday. You obviously care about God. You obviously want to hear something of what he says. We haven't completely done this. And most people I know are not anti-Jesus. He's a hard guy to hate. Uh, but we don't listen and value Jesus how God tells us to. And this is obvious if you wouldn't call yourself a Christian, because uh, you never claimed to learn from Jesus and trust Jesus. That's never been the goal of your life. So, of course, this is something that would be true of you. But even for us who call ourselves Christians, we have totally failed at this, me included. Uh, God wants us to listen to Jesus, not some of the time when we like what he says, and it kind of fits with where we want our life to go, God tells us to listen to Jesus all the time. It's a unique crime that we treat Jesus as just one voice among many voices. And more than that, as one human voice among many voices. When in fact, Jesus is the Son of God who made us, who owns us, who has the right to be obeyed and listened to. And you might disagree as you hear this news, you might disagree that this is a crime. Or you might disagree that it's a serious one that deserves more than a warning or a slap on the wrist. But really, if you think about it, whether we believe it's a crime or not isn't very important. What matters is whether the judge believes it's a crime. If someone turned up to court and they were charged with driving 300 kilometers an hour in a school zone and their defense was, look, that's not illegal, that's no crime, that's not going to go very well for them, is it? Because it doesn't really matter what they think. What matters is what the judge thinks. And God is the judge. God's the one who tells us if it is a crime to ignore his son Jesus and how serious it is if we've done that. And it turns out it's deadly serious. It turns out that we ignore Jesus at our peril, that we have ignored Jesus at our peril. And God tells us the punishment that fits the crime is what the Bible calls hell. Uh, If you think of the worst place you could ever imagine and you times it by 10 billion, hell is infinitely worse than that. It's a unique crime to ignore this unique command about the Son of God. But this is a good news day because God is just so loving and just so ridiculously generous. We've got a unique chance. Jesus is amazing. Jesus actually gives us hope. In the midst of this messy thing that we're describing, Jesus gives hope in our confusing world. Uh, Our world of pandemics and wars and floods and relationships that break down and bodies that fail in a world of death. And like we've seen, Jesus is perfectly equipped to bring hope because he's not a mere human 
with human solutions to our problems. He's not a human who acts in his own interests. He's not a human with limited, limit, limited power to actually change anything. He's the son of God who can fix our mess and deal with our crime. And how he does it is in this very puzzling statement in here. It's a very confusing statement. As they were coming down the mountain, Jesus instructed them, don't tell anyone what you have seen until the son of man has been raised from the dead. A puzzling statement. How do you keep that a secret? All the stuff that they've just seen. Why is it a secret? That's a pretty hard secret to keep. They've just seen Moses and Elijah who lived thousands of years ago. Jesus was glowing. God's voice shouted from the sky. And Jesus says, go and keep it as a secret. Keep it as a secret for now. And when I'm raised from the dead, go and tell everyone. And that's what we're celebrating today on Easter Sunday. We celebrate how Jesus was raised from the dead on the third day. We celebrate how Jesus was raised from the dead. Uh, Death is this tragic reality of life in this world, isn't it? Uh, Death is, is unconquerable. It's like this black hole that everyone is sucked into, that no one escapes from. It's like this black hole that's filled with millions upon millions of people, men, women, children, young, old, every country, every nationality, every class and background. It's the black hole that we're all heading towards and that no one escapes from. But the news of Easter is that on Easter Sunday, out of that black hole, Jesus disappeared On the 17th of July, in the year 30, out of that black hole, Jesus disappeared. Jesus faced death and he burst out the other side. Jesus punched through death, never to die again. It's impossible to overstate how amazing Easter is. It's impossible to overstate the significance of what we're remembering today. We celebrate today how Jesus was raised from the dead And we celebrate it because of what it achieves for us. We celebrate what this resurrection from the dead achieves for us. It deals with our crime. And it means that we can be adopted. Instead of getting the penalty that our crimes deserve, it means that we can be pardoned by God and adopted. i got a friend named Chris. He's Chris. Uh, He was born in South Korea. But he was adopted and raised in Penrith by just some regular footy-loving Aussies. He's the most Aussie bloke that I know, pretty much. Uh, And when he was adopted into this new family, into the Anstis family, he was as much a part of that family as if he was born into it. When he was adopted into this family, he belonged as much as if he'd been born into it. Now, he didn't earn it. That doesn't make any sense. How can you earn adoption? You, You don't deserve or choose to be adopted you're adopted because new parents choose that they're going to love and welcome you and that's what jesus resurrection does for us it means that we can be adopted into god's family let me show you two more sentences from the bible that show us this to those who believed in his name who believed in jesus name he gave the right to become children of god children born of god Or another sentence, see what great love the Father has lavished on us, that we should be called children of God, and that is what we are. Uh, Now we know who the 
child of God, is, don't we? God shouted it from the sky, he shouted that he loved and he's pleased with his son, Jesus. And there's no one else on the planet that God has ever said that to until now. Because when Jesus rose from the dead, the news that was a secret is announced to everyone. And the news is that you and I can be adopted as God's sons and daughters. That God can say to you, you are my son that I love. With you, I am well pleased. That God didn't say to you, you are my daughter that I love. With you, I am well pleased. We can be children who are treated the same as the true son of God, Jesus. And we're not natural children of God. We're, we're like my friend Chris. We're adopted into God's family. But that means we're as much a part of the family as if we were born into it. We're as much, we belong as much as if we were born into it. We're children of the God who knows you better than you know yourself. The God who knows all your flaws, all your failures, every dark secret that you've never told anyone else because you're terrified if it ever comes out. The God who knows that we ignored Jesus, that God can say to you, you are my son I love. You are my daughter I'm well pleased with. We can be included and treated the same as the true son of God, Jesus. That's what Jesus' resurrection achieves. That's what Easter is about. And that's the unique chance that we have. And it's the hope that we need this Easter in a pretty confusing world. Instead of getting the, pri- the penalty that our crimes deserve, we get pardoned by God and adopted. How do you get this? How do you get this thing? Well, there's two crucial bits to it, and I put them in bold there to make it easier. It comes by two ways. It comes by God. It comes by the love of the Father in the second sentence there. It comes by God loving us, not by us earning it, not by us choosing it. That doesn't make any sense. You can't earn to be adopted in God's family. You don't deserve or choose to be adopted. It comes by the gift of God showering love on his enemies. And it comes, second thing, by us believing in his name, believing in Jesus, trusting that Jesus is the only one who can save us from this crime of ignoring Jesus. Not trying harder, but giving up trying and coming to Jesus to be forgiven. That's what it's talking about here. And once you come to Jesus, listening to Jesus more than you do to anything else. This is the hope that we actually really need. I think there's so much going on in the, in the world at the moment. I get compassion fatigue when I look at everything that's going on. It feels like there's more than normal, like, like the world is getting worse. I don't know if you feel that way. I certainly feel that way. And often I feel at a loss to know what am I going to do to fix all of this. But it turns out the problem that we really need to fix is so much closer to home. It's our crime. It's our relationship with God right now. The biggest questions in the world are not when will COVID end. It's not how do we stop climate change. It's not what's going to happen in Ukraine. Those are important questions. Those are really important questions. But the biggest question in the world is what are you going to do with Jesus? Will you listen to him? Will you trust him and be adopted as a child of God? Will you hear this unique claim, this unique command about this unique crime and this unique chance that we've got? Will you hear about the uniqueness of Jesus who gives us real hope in a pretty confusing world? Now, as I finish, 
Let me pitch something to you if you wouldn't call yourself a Christian. Uh, maybe this is the only time you come to church all year. Great that you've been here with us. Let me pitch this to you to finish. Jesus has got the right to ask you to listen to him and follow him. God shouts it from the sky. God shows the glory of Jesus in a face that shines bright as the sun, in clothes that are whiter than any bleach on earth could make them, so that we don't miss it. Jesus is not a no one. He's not one among many. He's the Son of God. You might not be convinced of that right now. Will you at least examine it? Will you at least look into these unique claims about Jesus? And will you take this unique chance to be adopted as a child of God? It's deadly serious to ignore Jesus. But it's ridiculously good if we listen to him. And let me say to you, if you would call yourself a Christian, great to have you here also. Isn't this the very thing that convinced us to listen to Jesus? Isn't this the thing that keeps us listening to Jesus? He really is the Son of God. And this Easter, we celebrate that he has risen. We celebrate that because he's risen, God says to us, you are my son whom I love. With you, I am well pleased. You're my daughter that I love. With you, I'm well pleased. Because Jesus really is risen from the dead. There is literally no one unique like Jesus. He gives us real hope in this confusing world. Let's pray and give him thanks for it. Father God, we thank you so much for this news. Thank you for speaking. Thank you for making it clear who Jesus is so that we can respond to him as we should. We are so sorry. We silence your voice and we don't listen to Jesus. Thank you so much for your grace and your mercy and your love and your patience and your forgiveness of us and this chance that we have to be welcomed into your family. We pray that all of us would take this, knowing the stakes knowing how high the stakes are, knowing how good you are. We pray that every single one of us in this room, maybe not now, but over time, we pray that you would bring all of us to be your sons and daughters. Amen.